Recorded live. Hello, hello. Hello. How are you? Good. You? Good. Really good. All right. Let's see. Uh... Woo. Is that Tom? There's Tom. Noisy back there today. <laughs> um, let me grab my trusty pen. And let's see. Do we have Stephen, Tom, and Kelly on the call? Yep. Hey, Kelly. Hey. All right. Cool. All right, guys. Let's see, see. September 30th. A new chapter begins. How exciting. Uh, so let's just start with um, a blessing and a meditation. A little grounded meditation. Take this in here. So let's just get comfortable, guys, with your spine erect. We can bring the tip of our tongue to the roof of our mouth. We can gently, with our eyes closed, bring our gaze up towards our third eye. So how we do that is, it's kind of like, imagine the sun setting over the horizon. If you're looking out at the ocean and the sun is setting, we're looking up over the horizon of the sun, setting. It's that gentle of a glance upward towards the third eye at the tip of our tongue on the roof of our mouth and we just take deep breaths in and out. With each exhale, relaxing our body a little more. Begin with gratitude, so grateful, so thankful to connect here with two or more who are coming together with a shared intention of experiencing a greater awareness of love in, as, and through our lives. Yes, yes. With a full heart, we come to the holy altar and we make an offer of all of the blocks that are preventing us from experiencing peace, the blocks that are preventing us from experiencing contentment, joy, all the blocks that are preventing us from experiencing freedom. Thoughts of resentment, blame, shame, and anger, and frustration. Uh, any victimization, any place where we are unwilling to forgive, 
any thoughts of unworthiness, but not good enough. Less than. So good. So grateful. And as we release all that which may block the sweet and easy flow of love in our conscious mind, we just lean into the light, the bright white light of truth, of love, Christ's consciousness. We allow all of the spiritual qualities of this light to come forth and express through us now. And we just call out those qualities, declaring them as part of us. Creativity. Beauty. Expansiveness. Freedom. Intelligence. Power, love, love, joy, playfulness, and we breathe. And we gently allow our attention to fall on our breath. Again, returning our gaze gently upward towards our third eye, the tip of our tongue, our roof of our mouth, our spine, breath. We just release the thought. And if our minds wander, we become conscious of it, we simply say the word thinking and return to the
you gently bring your awareness back into your body. We see collectively in our mind's eye waves and waves of this bright white light flowing through us, entering from this, our crown chakra going all the way down out our toes. Bright white light fills our entire physical body, all of our muscles and bones, cells and atoms and electrons. It glows into our auric field, seeing ourselves cocooned in an egg-like sphere of bright white light. Waves of this bright white light flowing through our emotional body and our mental body and our etheric bodies, creating space and clarity, and moving, moving up the density, cutting the cords and past experiences that no longer serve us now, harvesting all the loving wisdom that our journey has given us and leaving the rest behind, letting it go. We are one with this light. We are the light. We are the light of God. This we declare for ourselves, as we know. We go forward tonight with an open heart and perfect congruency. Sharing all these new benefits of this time with all because you're one. And so it is. When you're ready, you can wiggle your fingers and toes. Take a sip of water. Hmm. So let's check in with one another. It's been a few weeks since we've had a time to connect with the group level. Stephen, would you like to give uh, any updates, share what's going on with you? Any thoughts? Um, let's see. Uh, I think uh, all is pretty pretty darn good on my end. Um, we are close to cementing that second location for an Inspire Charleston group to start um, in November. So right. I've been doing lots of hobnobbing and <laughs> powwowing with people here with that. And um, yeah, I think that's the uh, that's my biggest news right now. Cool, and uh, it's very exciting. I'm so happy to know that we're growing. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, <Continue> to grow. <laughs> um, and. Um, Okay, so. Steven, did we just lose you? I think Steven just dropped off. <laughs> Good call. He just he he just uh transcended from all the joy he's he's experiencing. Uh he's back on. Hold on. That's sorry about that. 
I just said he just transcended from all the joy he's experiencing. <laughs> We're having some very um, interesting weather tonight, mm-hmm. so that could happen again. <laughs> okay. Apparently, Joaquin is passing by. Ah. Um, cool. So just generally just all good? Yeah, I think it, it, it really is. I, um, Amina and I were, um, talking the other night and, um, I kind of had like some work stuff going on and then, um, but I was telling her that it's like, I don't know, it doesn't, um, I don't play in that same sandbox that I used to anymore. So it's like, I, it wasn't, I don't know. I didn't even feel like I was really frustrated by it. I think I was just like observing things rather than really kind of taking them in. Um, instead of just taking them in, I was just kind of observing like stuff. Whereas, you know, I think before I really committed to this work, I I would have been a, 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 a happy participant in uh, in the drama. That's a big deal, dude. Yeah, it was like kind of like a oh shit, <laughs> kind of moment. Like wow, I'm this is something. <laughs> wow, very cool, very cool. Well, it's so good to hear your voice, and it's good to have you in class tonight, Kelly. Likewise. How's Nor- how's, uh, how's Northern California? It's rural. <laughs> um, it's more rural than I thought. We'll just say that. Um, it's good. I ended up getting sick after San Francisco, so I've actually been not real healthy the last couple of weeks. So I've just been really trying to take care of myself and um, being really gentle with that and just spending lots of time in practice and um, doing lots of healing and reading. And that's about it. I mean, not, not much. I mean, it's, the excitement of my day is how many deer come by each day. So... Well, that can be exciting. Yeah. They didn't come by today. Usually it's mommy and two babies. I haven't seen them today. Huh. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it sounds like you're definitely having the opportunity to do that retreat for sure, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little more than I had planned even. But, um, yeah, I, I thought it was going to be a couple miles out of town. Like, I thought it would be like five, ten minutes out of town. And it's like... I was going to go get cough syrup, and I was like, it's going to be an hour and a half round trip for me to go get cough syrup. So I, like, just end up not going. So it's, um, yeah, it's good, though. Well, fortunately, you have the time right now, so <laughs> you can make it if you need to. That's good to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just have the suspicion. I don't think I'm going to stay as long as I was thinking originally, but I don't know. You know, I may. Who knows? It's just, just right now, I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I don't think I'll be here four to six months. I think that's pushing it a bit, but who uh-huh. knows? Well, yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, it's good to hear your voice, too. And uh, Mr. Tom, how are you doing? I'm going pretty good. And I'm... Um... Not really. I've been doing a lot of reading and stuff, so uh, and uh, my energy level though has been a little bit down. On the, and uh, but otherwise, I'm doing okay. 
I've been, like I said, doing a lot of reading and uh, doing a lot of studying and stuff, and I still haven't yet gotten the book for today's class, but mm-hmm. I did order that, and it's probably, it might be in the mail today, but I haven't uh, gotten the mail yet. So, and usually that size book, they will have it delivered directly on my doorstep. And, uh, uh-huh. we'll, but uh, when I checked out a while ago, it wasn't there. So apparently it hasn't come. Maybe tomorrow, hopefully. Okay. But anyway, I still, and of course I have a Course of Miracles book. I've been having that for almost uh, 30 years, almost whatever it was, 28 years or something like that. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh, other than that, I've been doing my reading the science of mind and my meditations from that and uh, doing meditations from this uh, other work that I'm at with the, uh, with the uh, well, what is it, the conversations with God and uh, trying to go for a steady course in that, too. So mm-hmm. we'll see how all that goes. Yes. Cool. Um, you know, that actually uh, brought up something that I wanted to talk to everybody about, about this next year. Uh, I'm going to actually make a request that for this next year that um, we don't commit to doing another deep study course while enrolled in this last year practitioner course. Um, Last quarter, a couple of people had, and um, both times with both people, they uh, burnt out on doing too much. And I'd really like to focus in, especially since we're starting with the Course of Miracles, and this is our the last year of the program. I'd like uh, all hands on deck, uh, energetically, and uh, give yourself space emotionally, and uh, to really explore and play within the construct of a class and the program. Um, and it's, you know, when we commit ourselves fully to something, it just gives us space to commit ourselves fully to the to the experience and we create the container for a deeper awareness to emerge and the I think the maximal results to express itself. And um so something to contemplate. Uh I mean if you really feel like led like you really have to do something, I'd be willing to talk to you about it, but I'd like to uh I invite you, I ask that you uh, run it by me first, just because, um, you know, it does it does have an effect on your energy levels. Um, and um, so that's just my request, putting that out into the group. So this quarter, what we're going to go start really exploring uh, is, you know, the mysticism as written in A Course in Miracles. And also, what happens when we die? It's important that we have a dialogue around what happens when we die because that's going to be one of the most asked questions that you will face when you're working with people, uh, introducing people to new curriculum. 
uh, or into this kind of stuff, working with clients, um, if you're starting a group, and, uh, you know, a big question people ask about any new philosophy is what do you believe happens when we die? So I'd like to start there. It's one of the questions I, I requested that you contemplate um, uh, this week, and I'd like to hear what you came up with. So uh, Stephen, Kelly, Tom, um, I'd like to hear your thoughts. See, this one was interesting for me because, um, well, I think for two reasons. Uh, one, like I, I've weirdly never had a fear of death. Like I've never, so I, I don't think know that I even ever really put a lot of thought into that. Because um, when I was like six, I uh, almost drowned when I was almost six, and uh, or when I was six rather, and. Like, I don't really remember much about it now because that was, like, you know, 40 years ago. But I I just never had that, that fear of it, like, after that. And so I don't know what that really brought up in me. Like, I mean, I think to some degree I I believe in, like, the white light thing and all of that. But then I don't really have much beyond that. You know? So what's your takeaway? Um, or it's nothing how is to that fear. You today? It's it's nothing to fear, and uh, you know, and even if you fear it, it's kind of like well, there's nothing you can do about it. So it's like one of those non-negotiables. Um, you know, no one gets out of this alive. Isn't how the what the old saying goes? Um, so I, I don't. I, yeah, the the afterlife part. I don't know. It's always, I, I think about this a lot with like my mom, you know, especially as she's gotten older and like, you know, maybe this is something that happens as you get older, you become more um, like religious in some sense of where almost like you're trying to secure like your spot in heaven or whatever. And I remember having this conversation with her and I said, well, you know, I've never really, I don't really think a lot about the afterlife because I'm, I, I'm so much more, I just want to be happy in this life that I haven't, that I haven't gone beyond that, really. So I'm curious to hear what everyone, what everyone thinks in that, to see if that, you know, triggers something in me or like gives me some new way to think of something. Mm-hmm. Kelly, Tom? Would you like to add anything? You know, it's interesting. I had, you know, I, I feel like I've had the experience of, of past lives where there would be like a reincarnation kind of thing. Um, and yet when I was at the Byron Katie workshop a couple, you know, a month ago or whatever it was, she asked somebody, it was an interesting question. She asked the person, did you have breakfast this morning? And the person was like, well, yeah, I had breakfast. And she was like, well, how do you know you had breakfast? And the person was like, well, I remember having breakfast, and I can still taste the breakfast on my mouth, and, you know, and they had all these reasons. And then she was like, and how do you know that you weren't just created at this moment with that taste in your mouth and with that memory? And then now that it even happened, 
you were just created in this instant thinking you had those memories. And so it's like there's that part of me that goes like I, like I feel like experientially, you know, I've probably experienced past lives, but at the same time I'm like I don't feel like that's something I could definitively say that happened. And especially like with Course in Miracles, I'm like if there's no time and space anyway, we can't have sequential life because there's no, there is nothing. And so it's like death is just the other bodies that think they exist stop seeing what they thought you existed as. But I don't really change. I'm still just one with God and one with spirit, even though, like, I think I'm having this experience. And so it's something that's like, it's one of those, like, I, I, I know what my experience is of, of death right now, but I don't, you know, I also can't say with confidence that any of that's reality because none of it, if it's all illusion and it's, you know, and I can't see outside of my little life right now, I don't really know. But I can have peace in knowing that I'm one with God and that's what I'm going back to when I'm not limited in my thoughts here as a body. Mm-hmm. I think that's where good. I'm at with right now. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Tom, what do you think? Okay. We're all energy field. I mean, physics even says that we're energy, and uh, energy never dies. It just transmutes uh, into another form of energy. And I see this, you know, I've been studying weather for all these years, you know, at least for the last 50 years, uh, just almost. And uh, I see, you know, how the clouds, they change, you know, uh, a hurricane will uh, form and and develop, and then it'll die out. And uh, that energy from that just goes into another system, you know, energizes that. And you know, it's like uh, a typhoon crossing the Pacific and coming up through Japan. Well, when it starts dying out, it's also transmuting, and that's causing and uh, weather here. Uh, you know, through the United States and stuff, and and uh, as another form of energy. And I see, you know, we're all energy, so we just transmute into another form. You know, we have a higher consciousness. And, you know, speaking of weather, you know, I know that uh, I, growing up, I always was uh, wanting a lot of snow in San Antonio. And um, my great aunt, when she died, she always before she died, she always said, "Well, when I die, I, as a sign, I will send you a lot of snow." And she did the next uh, winter after she had died. Uh, uh, we had 13 inches of snow in San Antonio, was a, which was a daily record, well, record for the whole year. But uh, you know, so I believe you know this is more than just uh, knowing that there's no coincidence, you know, this was her sign of saying, I'm all right, you know, don't worry about me. And the same thing with uh, my grandmothers, you know, they died and sent snow too, and for whatever reason, you know, it was just like I took it as a symbol as, okay, they're going fine, you know, and this is their way of showing that that uh, everything is uh, normal. 
And so this is the way I see things, you know, is that it's just a continuation of going on from one uh, plane to another. Beautiful. Yeah, cool, great. I think that uh, everybody gave some really um, interesting responses, really, uh, really great responses, too. Now, of course, I'm not an authority on what happens when you die because um, uh, I don't have a conscious memory that I'm aware of, <laughs> of it. So I will say that I had the experience reading Testimony of Light that I've had with a few other books um, on my journey and the books that I've actually am sharing with you all in this class. And, uh, and this book, what this book did for me is it completely eliminated my fear of death. And it sort of demonstrates what Tom was talking about, about continuing on, and yet it talks about sort of consciously continuing on. It's a very interesting read, and it's a channeled material, channeled material. So, um, Kelly and Stephen, did you uh, read the forewords and the uh, biographical information? Yes. Yeah, I read it again. Um, great. Um, so, what are your thoughts on, and Tom, you can share on this as well, because this and A Course in Miracles are both channels material. What are your thoughts on channeling? What comes up when you think of telepathy, connecting at just the level of the mind and possibly connecting with um, consciousness that's in a different dimension or different plane than we are, downloading information, receiving all of that? What comes up for you then? Um. It, you know, for me, it was um, I've kind of always believed in that stuff. So, it, because I I don't have a reason to not believe in it. So, and, I, and as I've gotten older and you know read more of this stuff and practice more of this stuff, to me it just stands to reason because it's like we only use I forget what is it ten percent of our, our brain's capacity. Um, so it. it What's that ninety other ninety percent doing? Um, like when I, I guess the I was reading like Edgar Casey when I was in high school, um, of where even you know, and some people would counter that with like, well, you know, he's making it up, and I would think, okay, well, even if he's making it up, he's freaking genius <laughs> because of the stuff he's saying. And it's interesting how some people will take, you know, I mean, the Bible is a channeled work. Um, and, it's, and I've always wondered, like, why do you think that that God stopped talking then? Like, he hasn't had he's had no commentary in the last two thousand years or whatever of um, anything that's going on. So the channeling thing to me just makes is logical, makes sense to me. 
Yeah, I see when I first started reading some of the materials, I started with Disappearance of the Universe. It was actually before I started ACIM or I don't remember if it was, I think it was book after Testament of Light, but I think I just ignored that. Um, I mean, it brought up a lot of like angst for me. Like I really struggled with it because I was like, I was always taught that like anything that was channeled, any mediumship was like totally satanic. Like the person was like demonically possessed. And so I really had to kind of work through that. And I finally, you know, I kind of how I ended up getting through disappearance of the universe was I was just like, I'm totally ignoring that it's channeled or it's, you know, it's from these other beings. Um, and just really looked to see if the material supported me in my walk and if the material supported, um, if, if, it, if it resonated with me. And that was how I initially, I really had to just kind of like ignore the fact it was, you know, supposedly from a third entity initially. And I think now I'm like, I kind of don't care if it's from supposedly a third entity or not. I'm like, we're all one mind. We're all one spirit. So, I mean, I could say this is from Jesus and maybe the being identified itself as Jesus or whatever, but I'm like, it doesn't matter. As long as it's coming from the consciousness of, you know, of God, of spirit that we all share, then as long as the material resonates, as long as the material supports you in my path, I kind of don't really, it doesn't matter to me, like, who the person who wrote it down says they got it from. I'm like, if, it, if, it, if it's truth, it's truth, and I don't. I don't really care what that in-between author says as to how they got it, whether they you know, thought they were channeling or weren't channeling, or I'm like, it, it doesn't matter. As long as it supports me in being loved, that's all I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. I concur a lot in all that because of a material can be channeled and uh, but whether it's uh, channeled or not, because we're all one mind, like Kelly said, you know, it all comes through that inner spirit of each and every one of us. That we, if we're open to certain things, you know, we're open to it and we receive it. And if it resonates with us, that's great. Now, I mean, I've uh, I know like. Uh, uh, being psychic and uh, uh, telepathy, you know, I proved it enough to myself and in my life where I've seen things happen that there was no way that I could have seen that it happened and find that it, uh, with the other people verifying it, that it happened or that I was able to predict something as though I was saying it exactly and it's come to pass exactly that way. So, you know, I know from a personal experience that I have uh, have experienced that, you know, I've seen this in action and, you know, without going into a lot of details except, you know, that I've seen storms develop, you know, long before they developed and, and came to pass. And, and uh, other events, you know, I predicted... One lady that she was going to be getting married that weekend, and this was even before anybody proposed, her fiance proposed, you know. And uh, sure enough, I was invited the next day to the wedding, and uh, they were just amazed, and different things like that. So, you know, I just see it, I just happen to, I just open myself up to it. And whatever I say, I don't even know sometimes what I'm saying. 
but it just happened. So beautiful. Yes. So I think you guys all brought up really great points um, from Stephen's uh, stance, which is the stance that I. <laughs> which I take so much more these days of, I don't know. <laughs> Why not? I don't, have, I don't have any reason not to believe it. Schumer and um, Kelly's, you know, stance of it doesn't matter. We're all one mind. And um, why not? I mean, I trust there is so much we don't comprehend or understand that I think it's a real... Um, easy thing to fall into is is really trying to have an intellectual understanding. What I like about uh, the biographical introduction is um, in talking about Francis, who is the woman that there uh, that that had passed and reached through the veil to her friend Helen. Uh, Francis Bain, talks about how she had a really deep intellect. And um, let me, I'll read a little bit from the biographical information. The day of her decision to to devote her life to God and missionary work in his church was a red-letter day in her spiritual progress. Hers was a deep and penetrating intellect. And here was a challenge. In the words of the great seeker after truth, Francis Bacon, she vowed, I will find where truth is hid, though it were hid indeed within the center. This dedication was to be the future motive of her whole existence, taking her into the religious life, and then after 25 years of community work, bringing her out again into the world to study, to investigate, and indeed to leave her stamp on everything she touched as one of her admirers expressed it. Um, Why could, why do you suppose having um, a deep and penetrating intellect might be viewed as a challenge with this kind of work? Because you analyze, um, you're looking for the, uh, the logic and not necessarily the feeling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think well, I was going to say, like, Course Miracle says, you know, ego analyzes spirit with allows. I think there was just that, you know, when, you, when you've got a, when you're more intellectual, you tend to be like, well, why is that happening? How is it happening? And there's some resistance, I think, at times that you don't have a, have a, like, mechanical explanation or an intellectual explanation that there can be a challenge of um, allowing the experience versus sitting there and nitpicking the how and the why of it. It's, it's hard to give over to faith. Mm-hmm. There is a habit, and I think we all are familiar with it, of not believing it if we can't see it. And we decide that what we 
see is proof. Mm-hmm. Unless we experience it ourselves. And so I think that's why A Course in Miracles says flat out, our aim is not to teach the meaning of love because we can't teach it, <laughs> but we can. And I, I think that it's also meaning like we can't teach the meaning of love because you can't understand it because our definition of love is so limited mm. and our experience is limited. Uh, and we often, you know, confuse love with codependency, right? And I think in this as well, it's how can we under, I mean, our experience is limited. Like Stephen said, if we're using 10% of our, you know, of what we're capable of, you know, how can we truly expect to understand everything? And uh, so, again, with so much of this work, we go back to spiritual sovereignty is explore it, try it on, be willing to explore it like Kelly did initially with an open mind, with a willingness to try it on to see how it feels. And this particular text, I think, is so beautiful and just so resonates and paints such a beautiful, clear picture of one's journey after they leave their earthly body that it just resonates with such truth to me. And I'm excited to begin this journey with you. So we have Frances Banks, who's this super intellectual nun. She's devoted her life to being of service, to working within the community. She references her work in prison. Uh, She loved the church um, and began to expand her area of study into um, sort of the psychic realm. And they explored together, her and Helen explored together sort of the ideas of telepathy, of connecting at the level of the mind uh, and what that looks like. But what we can sort of understand it from today's perspective is they were lifting the veil of time and space. So they were mystics. <laughs> you know, they were exploring the, uh, you know, they were following an intuitive pull. Francis was, I believe, following an intuitive pull of, uh, you know, one net. And, you know, I feel as though enough for, listen, I think that every religion in the world, or at least that I'm aware of, every philosophical practice, for the most part, the base teaching is love, is loving. There's been a lot of interpretations that have destroyed people's experiences within organized religion and things to that capacity, but... I feel as though there are so many paths. Of course, the miracle says that too, that this is one path of many that can lead to awakening. If practiced um, with an open heart, you know, and Francis is a testament that she's a nun that practiced 
with such devotion, such an open heart, I feel as though she began to expand her awareness and her consciousness. Um, so much so that she paved the way for her to be able to open a communication with her friend that she was practicing with after she made the transition into another realm. And so this is the story of what happened to her. She tells in detail what happens to her after she died, after she left uh, her earthly plane. So, um, so for this week, your reading assignment this week is going to be to read uh, in part one, and I'll write this down for you, uh, send this out. Um, I think it starts at page three, The Return, and read through... Page. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes here. Let's say read to page 22. Read to page 22, which uh, goes to the 18th of December. Start with the return and go through page 22 up to the 18th of December. And I will send out the homework questions by Friday. And I'm going to invite you to read it several times. This book is worth, these the sections are worth a double read. Uh, and I invite you to highlight and mark in the book the parts that really stand out to you, make notes in it. And then I'll um, give you some questions to uh, point you, direct you towards sections that I feel are um, important and relevant that will help deepen our conversation here. Uh, any questions on the reading? Okay, great. So let's take a five-minute break at 7.20. Uh, we'll get back, come back at 7.25, and we'll start with a course in your polls. Uh, any last-minute questions, anything? All right, I will see you at 7.25. Please keep your phone on. Uh, just keep it on mute.
Okay, we are back. So we begin our uh, journey into a fourteen miracle. Very exciting. Um, you know, uh, some people love it. It's not for other people. I have found it to be a very uh, helpful book on my path. Every time I open up any part of it and look at it, I find something useful for me. And uh, it's a major uh, uh, resource for teaching uh, that I use. And um, that's why it's part of this curriculum. So we're going to be used, working with for this entire year. We'll be in and out of different sections. Jennifer always suggests that uh, Jennifer always suggests that uh, we begin with the manual for teachers. And there's a lot of debate about who the manual for teachers is actually for. Some people would say that we're all teachers, so it's for everyone. Some people would say it's for those who feel called to teach. I'm not going to offer uh, an opinion on it because it doesn't really matter what my opinion of it is. (laughs) And chances are I would change my mind. (laughs) So... What I thought we would just do is dive on in and begin the conversation. Okay? So let's begin with the introduction. So if you could take out your A Course in Miracles and turn it to Manual for Teachers and open it to the introduction page. which is page one in A Manual for Teachers. The course is divided up into three parts. It's the uh, text, the workbook for students, and the manual for teachers. So uh, the reading order will be me, Stephen, Kelly, and then Tom. We'll do a paragraph at a time, okay? Introduction. One, the role of teaching and learning is actually reversed in the thinking of the world. The reversal is characteristic. It seems as if the teacher and the learner are separated, the teacher giving something to the learner rather than to himself. Further. The act of teaching is regarded as a special activity in which one engages only a relatively small proportion of one's time. The course, on the other hand, emphasizes that to teach is to learn, so that teacher and learner are the same. It also emphasizes that teaching is a constant process. It goes on every moment of the day, and continues 
into sweeping thoughts as well. Now, I'm going to pause here just for a moment. And as we read the Course, it's important that we read it slowly and clearly, that we don't rush through the reading. Let it land. Let each word have its moment. Because I really do feel that in this text, each word was chosen specifically to be where it is at. So with that in mind, let's continue. To teach is to demonstrate. There are only two thought systems, and you demonstrate that you believe one or the other is true all the time. From your demonstration, others learn, and so do you. The question is not whether you will teach, for in that there is no choice. The purpose of the course might be said to provide you with a means of choosing what you want to teach on the basis of what you want to learn. You cannot give to someone else, but only to yourself. And this you learn through teaching. Teaching is but a call to witness, to attest to what you believe. It is a method of conversion. This is not done by words alone. Any situation must be to you a chance to teach others what you are and what they are to you. No more than that, but also never less. All right, let's pause here. And let's explore this paragraph. So, the very first sentence, Stephen, could you reread that? To teach is to demonstrate. So, what does that mean? Um, you teach by, by example. Mm-hmm. Kelly, how you, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 keep going. I'm just saying that this is open to everyone. This is just between Stephen and I. Uh, <laughs> um, by example, by how you apply uh, these principles in your life. So if you're, you know, if you're, if you're teaching one thing, but you're, you know, you're rude to the barista at Starbucks, you're demonstrating something completely different from what you're, Quote teaching, but it says now, and this is this is important with the course. We look at what it actually said. To teach is to demonstrate. Mm-hmm. What are we demonstrating? Read the uh, read the next sentence. <clears throat> there are only two thought systems, and you demonstrate that you believe one or the other is true all the time. Right. So what are you demonstrating? You're either demonstrating love or the lack of love. Right. So you're demonstrating what thought system, what thought system you are operating from. Mm -hmm. And for all intents and purposes, let's just say love and fear. So to teach is to demonstrate. And we demonstrate what thought system we are operating from. So what does that mean? Can you repeat that question, Jess? I was writing down a note that you said I missed it. 
To teach is to demonstrate. And to demonstrate uh, uh, and we demonstrate that you believe one or the other is true all the time. It's either love or fear. Um, I forgot the question I asked. What was the question? <laughs> okay. Um, what are you what are you teaching what are you demonstrating what are you yeah so what are you demonstrating what does that mean you're you're demonstrating one or you're demonstrating one of the two thought systems mm-hmm. you're demonstrating either love or fear so if you're if you're you know going off again I'm just using the, that the same example that I just used if you're going off on uh the barista or the waiter or whatever, you're you're demonstrating fear. How so? Because you're not because you're not being heard, you're not being respected, you're not being validated. Um, you know, I asked for a skinny mocha, you gave me a regular mocha. You're not hearing me. I'm not I'm not worthy of being heard. Um, I don't deserve to get what I want. Um, so you know, as small of an example as it seems you are demonstrating a big portion of fear because all your all your fears are your all of your thoughts of lack of not being worthy are coming up in that one little grande mocha from your demonstration others learn and so do you mm. Mm. So, what does that mean, Kelly? Um, I mean, when... Give me a second. So, from our demonstration, they learn as well as we learn. Um, I mean, I think... Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to get out of this. When we act a certain way, um, and it, it depends on, you know, how conscious and aware we are, I mean, the person's going to observe, like, oh, gee, you know, you know, Stephen was being a jerk, um, she was the priest or whatever. Um, and then they learn, you know, that, that, that you know, depending on where they're coming from, they either look at that and go, oh, that's an expression that Stephen's crying for love, and they may, or they may see it as expression of separation. But then we learn within ourselves, you know, and depending on our consciousness, I think, like, you know, like, it used to be, like, I would respond in fear, and then when I got the reaction I didn't want, it just reinforced that fear. Um, because I was coming from a consciousness of I was just living based on the external. But I think when you're more aware that there's learning for both parties, when you go, oh, gee, that was not very loving, and gee, that wasn't the experience I wanted, that then we can also use that opportunity is to, to look at the fear-based thoughts and to go within and to heal um, what happened in that moment and to be able to move on from that from a space of, you know, 
recognizing that the fear wasn't real and that was our thinking, and to move on from that. Mm-hmm. Jennifer used to say, and I really love this, uh, we're always teaching the efficacy of our choices. Right. So what are we choosing? In any moment, what are we choosing? Love or fear. Right. Yes. And we're teaching the efficacy of our choices. So our life, you know, we just came out from a, came from a year of studying science of mind, right? And we have mm-hmm. a clear understanding that our thoughts create our experience, you know? That our the outward condition of our life is... Um, reflective of our inward condition, of the choices we're mm-hmm. making, mm-hmm. right? And so yep. how we show up, how we relate with people, how we treat others, how we, the energy, like you can walk into a room and people can vibe you right away, right? That's the effect of our choices, the efficacy of our choices, right? Have you ever been in a situation where someone wanted something from you and you do it right away? Yep. Yeah. So, to teach is to demonstrate. There are only two thought systems and you demonstrate that you believe one or the other is true all the time. Not some of the time, all the time. From your demonstration, others learn and so do you. Others learn about you. You're teaching people the story of you all the time. The question is not whether you will teach, for in that there is no choice. You can't help but teach people about who you think you are. Mm. The purpose of the course might be said to provide you with a means of choosing what you want to teach on the basis of what you want to learn. <laughs> so it's a this is this book is designed to support you in choosing what you're interested in learning. Are you interested in learning more about fear and separation or about love and unity with love? You cannot give to someone uh, you cannot give to someone else but only to yourself and this you learn through teaching. Teaching is but a call to witnesses to attest to what you believe. What does that mean? Teaching is but a call to witnesses to attest to what you believe. You can only act on your belief. Teaching is but a call to witnesses to attest to what you believe. So it's, what does attest mean? It says, to, it's like... To um, affirm or... What? Yeah, to affirm. I was, trying to, I was trying to figure the language I wanted to put this. It's to affirm your, your, your belief in love. Um, right. So... 
the witnesses are your mirrors, right? Mm-hmm. So they are going to, uh, so to attest is to provide or like to provide evidence, uh, right? right. Yeah. So your witnesses um, will attest, are going to provide evidence of your belief system. So it's separation or oneness, separation or oneness, love or fear, love or fear. So if you're mm-hmm. seeing people out there that are bad and mean and cruel and hateful and people that are going to lie and steal and cheat and take advantage of, if you're always being victimized and misunderstood and blah, 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 and the list goes on and on and on, and that's what you see out there, then those witnesses, the people around you are attesting, they are providing you proof of what you believe, what you are mm-hmm. teaching, right? So if you see people out there that are trying to attack you, they are teaching you, you are teaching them that you, you believe in attack. That's why I love the course because you can, I mean, you can sit and chew on one sentence and I feel like if you get one <laughs> sentence clearly, then, you know, <laughs> you got it. Teaching is a call to witnesses to attest to what you believe. Uh-huh. It's a method of conversion. This is not done by words alone. Any situation must be to you a chance to teach others what you are and what they are to you. Any situation, any situation must be to you a chance to teach to others what you are and what they are to you. No more than that, but also never less. So every situation, any situation is an opportunity to teach others who you think you are and what they are to you. So think about that. Soon, we'll be reading about, uh, in the clarification of terms, which is in the Manual for Teachers, uh, they'll talk about forgiveness, and it's one of my favorite sections in the course, because it says something to the extent of when we see the face of Christ reflected back to us, then will we, you know, then all we need to do is cross the threshold into heaven, and that's God's job. But, so our job always is to see the innocent and whoever stands in front of us. So when we say any situation must be to you a chance to teach others what you are, innocent, I am innocent, I am loving, and what they are to you, innocent. But they can't be innocent. You can't see them as innocent until you see yourself as innocent, free of guilt, free of sin. No more than that, but also never less. So it's never, it's never more than, so it's not creating special situations, but also it's not ever throwing any opportunity away. So if it's you in an elevator and some stranger gets in and they say, hello, and you ignore them and you're just texting on your phone instead, what are you teaching? The example with the barista, you know, what are you teaching? What are you believing about yourself? What are you teaching? What are you asking them to be for you?
Paragraph three. Go ahead, Kelly. The curriculum you set up is therefore determined exclusively by what you think you are and what you believe the relationship of others is to you. In the formal teaching situation, these questions may be totally unrelated to what you think you are teaching. Yet it is impossible not to use the content of any situation on behalf of what you really teach and therefore really learn. To this, the verbal content of your teaching is quite irrelevant. It may coincide with it or it may not. It is the teaching underlying what you say that teaches you. Teaching but reinforces what you believe about yourself. Its fundamental purpose is to diminish self-doubt. This does not mean that the self you are trying to protect is real, but it does mean that the self you think is real is what you teach. Oh, how beautiful is that? So, Kelly, what is this saying to you? Um... There's two parts that kind of jumped out to me in here. Um, is that one that you know you can talk all day, but what you say really is not nearly as important as what you're living. Um, that that the teaching is really you know what is your life and what are you choosing, and what you're going to choose, which is the second half. Is and I love that last that little sentence. This is but it does mean that the self you think is real is what you teach. And so it's like, you know, if I have the belief in thought of separation or I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough, then I can talk all day and say, oh, God's great. But if I have that belief, that's why I'm going to be living and that's what other people are going to be learning from me is that, you know, I don't truly believe in love. Yeah, it's, you know, an example of that that comes up for me is the actor in the audition. That the actor might go in and be confident, seem confident, smile and great, give a great reading, but it is a part of them that feels like that casting director has something for them, that that casting director, that the casting director gets to choose whether they're worthy or not, that they're, that they're good depends on what that casting director thinks, but they're really going to be teaching the energy that's going to be expressing is give me a job, give me a job, and needing it. And that thing of, you know, um, feeling incomplete, feeling less than, feeling unworthy, feeling that there's a part of them missing that that person has to teach you. And that is what they're going to really be teaching. So what they say, how they show up, how they're smiling is irrelevant. We're all one mind, right? We're always teaching the efficacy of our choices. And so if there's the fear of, I need this job because without it, I'm not, you know, X, Y, and Z. You know, I'm not worthy unless I'm working as an actor. All of that is coming into the room with you. Of course it is. And so, but it does mean that the self you think is real is what you teach. So you can come and be presenting, you know, this, persona, but if you think that you're unworthy, if you think that you're, that because you're 
waiting tables that needs X, Y, and Z. That's what you're really showing up with. That's stuff you think is real. The curriculum you set up is therefore determined exclusively by what you think you are and what you believe the relationship of others is to you. So this goes down to like the example we use about dating, right? Like if you really believe that dating's hard, there's no good guys in your city, that everybody's just interested in sex, then the experience you're going to have is what? And you can show up and be delightful and be whatever, but what is the experience you're actually going to be having? Hmm. What kind of person will you probably be attracting? The guy that only wants to hook up and who's maybe not that nice. Exactly. Right. And furthermore, to take it deeper into that is they're only going to show up if you believe what? That that's what you're worthy of, that that's what you deserve. Yes, yes, good, spot on, yes. The only time someone, the only reason anyone is yelling at you is because you believe you deserve to be yelled at. The only time (laughs) you are getting treated poorly you know, or being abused or whatever, it's because you believe you deserve to be treated poorly and abused. And then because of that belief, you believe that there are bullies out there, that there are those out there that want to attack you, so they can't help but show up as that. And yet every Every opportunity, any situation must be to you a chance to teach others what you are and what they are to you. So every situation is an opportunity to heal that as well, to to make a different choice, to try a new approach. Now, A Course in Miracles found its genesis because two people who were always arguing had a moment of clarity, had a moment of love, and both became willing to try a new approach. And in that, try a new approach to their relationship. And that's when Helen Schuchman began to describe A Course in Miracles, began to channel A Course in Miracles. Through the willingness to try a new solution. They said, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm willing to try a new approach. And then the answer came. And it came in the form of this book. Teaching but reinforces what you believe about yourself teaching, but reinforces what you believe about yourself. Now, this is cause and effect in action. What you believe about yourself is what is going to show up. That's the law. Not what you are, what you believe about yourself, because the law is impersonal. 
So the invitation to freaking look around your life, look at your relationships. Look at the state of your life. And you'll clearly, you'll get a clear picture of who you think you are. And the opportunity is always to choose again. Okay, Tom, let's go with uh, paragraph four. This is inevitable. There is no escape from it. How could it be otherwise? Everyone who follows the world's curriculum, and everyone here does follow it until he changes his mind, teaches teaches solely to convince himself that he is what he is not. Herein is the purpose of the world. What else then would its curriculum be? And to this hopeless and closed learning situation, which teaches nothing but despair and death, God sends his teachers. And as they teach his, his lessons of joy and hope, their learning finally becomes complete. So what does that mean? What are examples of um, sorry, uh, I lost my part. Um, what else am I doing? Into this hopeless and closed learning situation which teaches nothing but despair and death, God sends his teachers. And as they teach his lessons of joy and hope, their learning finally becomes complete. So, this the this idea of despair and death. So the truth is, what Tom, that we are basically it's a sign of. That what we're teaching, if the ego is teaching it, and that's what we're following, but we're not listening to the spirit, we're not opening up ourselves. Right. What's the truth about us? That we're already perfect, whole, and complete as we are. And that we are, what else? Love, action. Right. And are we, Do can we ever see to be? Can you repeat that again? There was a motorcycle. Can, can we ever cease to be? No, we can never cease to be. Why? Because we're eternal. That's it, baby. So we come into this, what many would call the illusion of death, of limitation. Mm -hmm. With this intuitive pull that suggests we are eternal, that we are love. And the only thing that's eternal is love. And if we are eternal, then that would go, then the equation would lead us to understand that we are love. Then what the hell else have we been thinking we've been this whole time? And yet we have thought 
Exactly. And it's it. Go ahead, Tom. Sorry. If we go back to what it says, everyone who follows the world curriculum, and everyone here does follow it until he changes his mind, teaches only to convince himself what he is, uh, that he is what he is not. Okay, so what we're basically uh, doing and following the world's curriculum is we're teaching, we're trying to teach ourselves that we are not loved, and we cannot do that. I mean, if we can, once we change our mind to be able to say, okay, uh, this is, we are love and we are not all of this external, you know, we're not fear, then this is what we start becoming. We start uh, realizing that we are eternal, that we are love, and that that all of this other nonsense that the world is teaching about us is simply an illusion and it's simply not true. We fight desperately to prove that we are unworthy, that we are limited, that we are unlovable. Exactly. Kelly, um, Stephen? Sorry, Jesse, you dropped there for a second. I dropped for a second? Yeah, I couldn't hear you yeah. for a second. Oh, yeah, okay. So I said, do you and Kelly have anything you'd like to add? Okay. <laughs> um, no, I think it's... Um, I keep going back to, like, the first... Uh, well, I guess the first three sentences... This is inevitable. There is no escape from it. How could it be otherwise? Like it just said, you have no choice but to to teach and to learn. <laughs> and it's like it's yeah. just that's how it's set up. That's how it's designed. And I think it just makes it so much easier when you realize that that that's the gig. That um, that's what you're here to do. It's to it's inevitable for you to demonstrate love and therefore teach love. I'm looking at the dictionary's definition of insane, and it's a state of mind that prevents normal perception, behavior, or social interaction. So we can use that in this context to say true uh, perception. Mm. Our true perception. So we are insane. To think that we are anything other than love is insane. Mm-hmm. And yet we have dedicated our lives to the practice of convincing people that we are something else. Well, it's because you have all these demonstrations uh, of that constantly every day. You know? Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, you have the world uh, at large demonstrating to you that you know, unless you're this size or you drive this car or you have this much money, you're not. You're just not. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, you're, you're um, I mean, the whole perception of the world is insane by that, you know, by that standard. Exactly. 
Except for God's teachers, there would be little hope of salvation. For the world of sin would seem forever real. The self-deceiving must deceive, for they must teach deception. And what else is hell? This is a manual for teachers of God. They are not perfect, or they would not be here. (laughs) Yet it is their mission to become perfect here. And so they teach perfection over and over in many, many ways until they have learned it. And then they are seen no more, although their thoughts remain a source of strength and truth forever. Who are they? How are they chosen? What do they do? How can they work out their own salvation and the salvation of the world? This manual attempts to answer these questions. Pretty exciting, huh? <laughs> I mean, isn't that wonderful? And I love that it says we're not perfect else we wouldn't be here. I love that line. Right? We wouldn't be here if we believed, we were perfect if we knew it. So we continue to teach these principles until we believe it, until we've learned it. And then they are seen no more. <laughs> so I love that we are we're reading about testimony of light while doing this as well. It's a perfect marriage. So um So we're going to end here tonight with the reading. We're going to end here tonight with the reading. And your homework assignment uh, for your reading for A Course in Miracles is to reread these five paragraphs. Just to reread these five paragraphs and take notes on them. Okay, so reread the introduction. And we're going to take the last few minutes of class to talk about um, what have you that you can see now from uh, with a little more perception after doing some of this work for a while now. What have you been trying to teach people about yourself? What were you trying to teach people? So what was the story you thought was true about yourself, and what were you trying to teach other people about yourself? The story that you're either healing or releasing now so you can stand in the truth of who you are. So let's just share authentically and openly some of the challenges we've worked through and some of the belief systems we've had to heal in order to be here today to stand with this perception and the willingness to explore this work 
the willingness to stand as a teacher of God, to teach a new curriculum. And um, yeah, so um, Stephen, you've been going first a lot tonight, so we'll let Kelly go first on this one. I was hoping you weren't going to do that. Um, I think one of the things and I, I, that I've really been working with is the story of um, my worthiness or my value as a child of God and that being something that is um, that that comes from, you know, what I am. It's not something I earn. Um, it's not something that you know, God withholds or says, oh, you, you know, you're not worthy of my gifts cause, because you're not good enough. And in that, working to learn to, you know, if I can accept that fully and I can believe, okay, you know, I'm worthy, I'm a child of God, I'm loved, I'm beautiful, I'm perfect, I'm whole, I'm complete, then I can live my life in a way that's peaceful and calm versus um, frantic and paranoid trying to get validation and approval from people outside of myself through, you know, trying to be good enough or trying to work hard enough and trying to get to, to, to get that sense of love from people and from, you know, people saying, you know, from gratitude, you know, I don't say gratitude, but for people seeing how hard I work or what I do versus just coming back to I don't need to earn it from people either because I'm loved already. I'm as perfect as I could be within God. Mm-hmm. So how did that, so, you, so you're mentioning um, that you worked hard so you're working hard, you're showing up and you're working hard, but what were you what are you really te- what were you really teaching? What was the curriculum you were really teaching of it? Like in reference to what we were just studying about how the words rarely matter. Yeah, I mean it's it's demonstrating that I'm living from fear of I'm just I mean, yeah, I mean, I could say whatever. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's the words don't matter, but if my life is I'm living from a space of fear, I'm living from a space of thinking I'm not loved, then that's what's evidenced in my actions. I don't know if so, that's what you're Well, what I'm trying to get is I want to explore the different ways this is manifested in our life so we have clarity around, you know, what the programs were, you know. I mean... One might say it doesn't matter what the specifics were, but since we're really, I think it's helpful for us to know clearly how it sort of manifested in our life, you know, as our story, what our curriculum has been, so that we can more clearly understand it in other people, you know what I mean? So, so when you say that you were afraid or not being loved, so how did, how did that manifest for you, this, this idea of not being loved 
Um, I mean, it's, it, I mean, for me, my work has always been a huge teacher um, in that. So, like, you know, I would work too many hours, or like, if other people said, "Oh, you know, I'm busy, I can't do this job," you know, I would always take over doing it, even though, you know, physically and mentally and emotionally, I was drained and exhausted. And so I just, you know, it, it just feels like I always push myself like beyond my limits of what I can do or should do especially at work, um, you know, or, or like, you know, somebody will say like, you know, if there's only one opening left or something for some event, I would give that spot to somebody else. It's always kind of a sense of um, sacrificing myself for what I thought other people deserved. Mm-hmm. So it would uh, manifest as, you know, experiences of feeling like you're sacrificing your spot or you're giving up something that you enjoy so other people could be happy. And they would see and you would be validated through your your uh, willingness to be, so it's sort of like that giving to get thing. Yeah. That's good. That's good insight. Beautiful. Steven or Tom? Tom, how about you? How did it, how did, what is your, what was your, like the course will say it's an individualized curriculum. So what experiences did you move through? What were you teaching people about who you thought you were versus now with the perspective of who you know you are, what were you teaching people and how did that show up in your life? First and foremost, I could echo a lot of what Kelly was saying because it seems like uh, we were on the same page uh, mentally that I would also be teaching people. I learned, of course, from my parents, you know, if you wanted to be liked, you had to people please. And that would even to mean uh, that you would give up yourself. You know, you wouldn't love yourself but to me, I was always people-pleasing because I wanted to get uh, their approval or their love. I was trying to uh, prove to them that I was worthy, but I wasn't believing it myself. And I was believing that I was not worthy and that I had to do all of these things to uh, people you know, to, uh, to make them think that I was uh, worthy. Whereas now, I don't give a fuck what people think, if if I'm worthy or not, because, you know, I am worthy already, and whether people believe it or not, and I'm becoming more and more of that, where where I I see that confidence level in me that has been rising, that, you know, that I, I am worthy. And I, like last night, though, I was at the restaurant, and I was doing, I was, I came in and was full of confidence, and I was ordering and stuff, and the people, oh, many of the people, the long-time people, they know me, there was a few people, the 
waiter and the the, the hostess, Jake came in to ask, uh, well, have you been here before? And I said, well, everybody else knows me. I said, uh, but then um, I came across, I thought it was uh, uh, when I was coming across that I was uh, being rude to the waiter, which I really wasn't, but, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe he thinks that, so I, uh, afterwards, I apologized, and he said uh, he didn't even think anything of it, you know, because he knows that I knew what I wanted, you know, and I this is what I was asking for, and, you know, sometimes I wasn't clear on it, and I, like, I like my uh, french fries very crispy, you know, and I I didn't know when I put it out there, you know, that I wanted my french fries and I, ahead of time, but I didn't say crispy like I normally put on there, and so they brought me out fries, and so I told the waiter, you know, I think I forgot to put on there that I wanted crispy, so I sent them back, and, you know, but then I thought later, well, and this is that part of me that was saying, okay, well, maybe he didn't think that I was, uh, uh, was, um, or that I, he thought I was being rude, and, uh, uh, which, that was my perception of myself rather than what the, uh, the other person thought of me. But I did uh, make it a point, you know, and say, well, this is not what, I did not mean to come across as being rude or arrogant. And he thought nothing of it, he said. But, you know, that goes, uh, that still uh, is that throwback to saying, you know, I want people to think that I'm worthy. Because, but it's coming from a belief that in my own self that I wasn't worthy. I'm healing all of that, yes, but it's some in some ways it's not completely healed. But I don't want to also come across, you know, and saying, you know, and I don't want to take that as being rude to people or mistreating people for me to ask for what I want. And that's still something I'm still working on. Well, you know, I find that when people are learning a new approach, sometimes the pendulum has to swing uh, a little extreme in one direction uh, until we learn how to uh, bring it back to the center. Um, So, you know, be gentle with yourself. But also, you know, like we just talked about today, the words you use are rarely truly teaching. If you're coming from a place of love, it will land as love. You know what I mean? It will land loving. So you don't have to be worried about how it's coming across if it's coming from a place of love. Now, if it's coming from a place of don't disrespect me, I deserve to be treated da 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 that's really coming from a place of fear, from a place of unworthiness, of overcompensation. So what it sounds like you're doing is you're learning to come from a place of love, self-love, and to speak from that space. And so you're on the right path, and it's happening. So good work, Tom. Great share. Okay, thank you. And Stephen, how about you? Um, I, 
I'm going to piggyback a little bit on on both Tom and Kelly of uh, of the worthiness factor, the people pleasing thing, but also what you just touched on with the uh, the self love thing, of where I had kind of gotten myself into this not kind of I had gotten myself into this state of where um, I felt like I needed to kind of punish myself for you know stuff I perceived as mistakes and. And so I was very like heavily into like sort of that punishment phase and not loving myself and doing a lot of um, making a lot of poor choices as a result of that, like a lot of self-medicating. Um, and it's just, you know, this commitment to this work where it's like, I don't, I don't feel the need to do those things anymore because I'm like, I, I like, I love myself now. Like even just to say that is, it's huge for me because I think, you know, even when I first started working with you and corresponding with you, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago or whatever, there's no way I could have said that I, that I love myself. Um, and I'm making a lot of better choices now because of that. Um, you know, I'm not, don't feel the need to medicate, self-medicate with, you know, drinks or drugs or sex or whatever, or, you know, overeating and eating, you know, the bad foods or whatever. It's, I'm taking care of myself because I do love myself now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, and the punishment thing was, I don't know. I just, I, I think it was like, um, you know, I, I had created this um, prison in my mind of like, well, you know, you've, you fucked up this many things and you really, you have, everything has to be a struggle. You have to work, you know, you have to struggle for everything that you get. And, and now it's, I don't believe that. Like now I believe that like, you know, I'm taken care of. Mm-hmm. It's not a struggle anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're learning. You keep teaching what, just what the person said. Is. We exactly. Until we get it. Beautiful work tonight, guys. Truly, truly good work. It takes a lot of courage to get honest with ourselves, to look at how, you know, uh, things have showed up in our lives, to do the inventory work so that we can have a new experience, so that we can release that which no longer serves us, so we can start to teach a new curriculum. So this is an exciting new chapter for us all. I truly believe that it is. When we take our time with the course, it really has the potential to uh, open up so many new arenas of conversation. Um, My computer just died, but I'm looking for a specific thing uh, to offer everyone. Hold on one second.
trying to find a uh, I know I have it here somewhere. I apologize. Um, I just here we go. Um, oh, my husband heard me talking and he came in like a knight in shining armor. The, his computer. So one second here. So beginning on Monday, I am uh, offering a um, a new Course in Miracles teleclass and study group. It's 6:30 to 7:30 p.m. Um, Pacific, uh, and I want to give you the phone number now. So you can um, dial in. So it's the uh, same. Uh, here we go. It's seven two four 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 seven four four four, which is the same number that we call in for class. So again, that's seven two four 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 seven four four four, and the call ID that you dial in is one three eight. Five seven one pound one three eight five seven one pound and this is also on my website if you're uh, over there. And what time uh, is that again, Jesse? Six thirty p.m. Pacific. Same okay. class. It's only one hour though. Six thirty to seven thirty. It starts this Monday, and we're going to be exploring the text part of A Course in Miracles. Uh, so while we're looking at manual for teachers right now, in this class we'll be looking at the text. So there's a lot to go through. So I invite you all to call in if you'd like to uh, have another Course in Miracles resource and, and join me. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm holding it. And, you know, like um, the text just said, I'm interested in learning more about this. I'm going to teach it more. Will you be um, recording it as well, or, yeah. or no? Yeah, yeah, there'll be there'll oh, be recordings of it for sure. Sweet, sweet. Okay, my beloved. Thank you so much for coming in and connecting in and really um, playing a real big game. I so bow to your authenticity and your willingness to be still and present during class. It's so wonderful. To connect with you all. I love each and every one of you so much, and I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to do these classes with you. And everyone is so just upping their game. It's so beautiful to participate. So is there any, uh, does anyone have anything else you'd like to share or say real quick before we uh, close out? Well, the only thing is I would like to say is, you know, I started the other day. I wrote... Uh, started writing names of everybody I could think of from the past and present, even from my childhood. And I just wrote their names down if they needed forgiveness or if they didn't need forgiveness. I just wrote their names down. And I've gotten uh, so far six pages, uh, a double column, and uh, of people, you know, just I've gone through my yearbook from my high school, uh, senior year. And uh, different things, you know, just to jog my memory and of names and all. But it's just, a, it's, 
it's a kind of like a therapy because as I'm going down there, I can see the name to, oh, I didn't know I needed that person, you know, or or I remembered that person, you know, and some people, like, I knew who I was thinking of, but I couldn't remember their name and stuff. But it's a lot of therapy, was, you know, is I'm forgiving them, but most of all, I'm forgiving myself as I go through down through all of this list, and I didn't realize there were so many people on my list. But, you know, it's just, it's a release. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just letting it go. I, you know, it's letting it go, you know, so it doesn't affect me anymore, that those mm-hmm. things are not affecting me. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, Tom. You know, mm-hmm. the name of the game is forgiveness. The name of the game is forgiveness. And, Tom, uh, I demand that you bring your high school yearbook to service this Sunday because I would love to see a picture of you in high school. <laughs> um, okay, everybody, <clears throat> let's uh, pray in. So I'll uh, pray out, I should say. So I'm going to take Tom's hand. And I'm going to take Kelly's hand. I'll take Stephen's hand. And I will take Jesse's hand. So holding the hands of our beloved classmates and friends, we place the rest of the practitioner program and the rest of the Inspire community, everyone who's ever attended any teaching any class, any workshop, and anyone who ever will, and their loved ones are just sending out waves and waves of love and light to them, knowing the truth of who they are and reminding ourselves of the truth of who we are. Eternal beings, light beings, extensions of perfect love. There's nothing else we could be, so we drop the insanity act. We cut the cord to an identity crisis, a misperception, and we align with our true self, our true perception, and we allow our light to shine. And we commit this week to see the innocence in all of those who stand before us, freeing ourselves forever from the illusion that we are separate from God, separate from good, separate from love. We share all the healing benefits that come as a result of this remembrance with everyone, for truly, we are one with them. And so it is, and so it is, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. 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 All right. Well, I will send you your uh, homework assignment, uh, your writing assignment, uh, just some questions, and they'll probably be questions just to bring to class with you. Um, I haven't decided if you'll turn them in or not, uh, but uh, I'll get them out by Friday, okay? Okay. Have a beautiful, 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 beautiful week. You too. Okay. I will will see you Sunday, if not before. All right. Bye. Bye, Kelly. Bye. Bye, Kelly. Bye, Bye, Kelly. Say hi to the deer for us. Oh, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Night, guys. Good night.